Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. You're listening to Yellow Wood Podcast. Hello all and welcome to episode 274 of The Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko yet again for the third time in a row this week, uh, trying to make up a little bit for uh, the lack of podcasts throughout the international break uh, ahead of the big game between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Um, for this episode, we have also an interview in store with Justin Kraft, who is um, one of the experts for Mirsan Rot, the Bayern blog. So stick around for that, a little bit of opposition research. And um, for this show, where we will obviously talk about the Bayern game, answer a couple of questions, joins me Lars Polman. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? How excited are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, hi, Stefan. Uh, a very solid 2 right now. <laughs> wow. All right. That's. Uh, I don't know if that's the right mindset, if we should even continue here. Because I wanted to basically take a look a little bit about the uh, meaning of this game um, because I personally think that we we had a little bit of a discussion about that already but I think this is the biggest game for Dortmund since the Champions League final 2013 obviously not as big and not as meaningful um, no but um, in, in terms of meaningful games and I think the value of a championship over the value of a German cup um, is very important and As we all know, Dortmund can move five points clear of Bayern Munich with six games to go. And uh, that doesn't mean it would be in the bag then or anything. Nor would, you know, a loss mean that. But nevertheless, I, I think um, the implications for this game is huge. Also, because I think Bayern, just like the monster that was created by Dortmund in 2012 by winning the double, uh, will be recreated in some sort of way. Um, Again, if, if Dortmund win decisively or the championship, uh, championship or, you know, nothing at all, I think Bayern Munich will come back stronger. It's up to debate whether they will make all the right decisions with all the money they have, but they will spend an, uh, yeah, huge amount of money this summer and, yeah, I guess further their transition. So, um, because of that, I'm very excited. Um, about this game and also aware that this could be Dortmund's only chance in a very long time to win a championship and uh, now last Mr. 10 out of, uh, 2 out of 10 <laughs> you can bring me back to the ground and tell me why everything I just said is uh, meaningless anyway and it's just a game of football and whatever happens next doesn't really matter. No I wouldn't say that and also, I wouldn't say that my mindset on we are recording Thursday evening ahead of a Saturday evening <laughs> game has much of a say in anything. So, so, so when when do you start to get jittery and nervous about a game like as this? As a matter of fact, I do get kind of jittery for pretty much only the Bayern games. My my legs start shaking a little bit. Uh, I don't really know why. Uh, it's the same during like the Super Bowl with the Patriots. So. Uh, it, it's a uh, well. That's not going to happen anytime soon again. Yeah, obviously so not. You can relax yeah. there. Uh, it, 
until February, I guess. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I think there's obviously some merit to what you what you've just said. I mean, uh, I, I struggle to come up with a game that would be of of bigger importance to Dortmund, certainly in the short term. Um, I mean, you you already mentioned cup finals and the like. I mean, a cup is nice, but beating Bayern, who are still very much a supercharged team, even though uh, they have more issues this season than they've had for most of the last decade or so, uh, beating them over 34 match days and being crowned champions of the Bundesliga, that would be a huge, huge uh, achievement for especially this kind of Dortmund side. Uh, because remember back in the summer, uh, there were some reservations as to whether this Dortmund team would be good enough to, you know, be be second best in the Bundesliga. And I mean, uh, seven games out, we can clearly say that they are at the very least a 1B, if not the 1A in Germany right now or over the course of the season so far. So uh, in, in that terms, in those terms, it's definitely... Uh, among, if not the most important game this club has seen for a very long time. And I, I definitely agree with the notion that seeing as Bayern are going to spend a hell of a, a, hell of a lot of money uh, for next season. Um, I mean, they've already kind of sunk. If we include, if we include <laughs> James Rodriguez in the discussion, I think they're already at about 150 million <laughs> and, and they've only, brought in two new guys and they are both defenders so there's still a lot more to come I would uh, assume um, you know this is a, for a lot of these players certainly a once in a lifetime opportunity to actually win a Bundesliga championship with Dortmund or win a championship outright in the Bundesliga so uh, unless that leads to you know nerves within the team I think we can certainly look ahead to what should be a cracking game well, I, I really do think it's going to be a cracking game one way or another, even if, if Dortmund lose. I, I think there is going to be drama because neither team is so solid and then settled that, uh, um, the, you know, it's, it's going to be completely one-sided. I, I think there's going to be back and forth. And, uh, as per usual, then it comes down to which team makes more of the phases where they have the upper hand. Um, Though now that it's Thursday, we have a rather clear, quite clearer picture about who is available and who is not. Um, do we? Did, did I? I don't. I don't know. I don't know really. Um, I did. I, I'm. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not watching any more press no, Neither do I. But but I mean, we all know what Favre is saying, what Sork is saying. But you know, you can follow them on Twitter. Uh, the the press conferences. <laughs> but it's not like we get great info from that either. So. Basic, basic. Yeah, that was going yeah, to be basic, my my next basically point. Basically, what Farfel said today is uh, six times. I don't know. We'll see tomorrow. Basically, so uh, we don't have a really clear picture on who's going to be available. <laughs> I, I didn't say clear picture, just a clear, rare picture. It's a very important distinction here. Yeah, um, I think I've I've complained the other day a little bit about uh, Dortmund's um, strategy to mislead journalists this this season or, or outright. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they're actually lying about what's going on or worse, um, their medical staff does not know what is going on with their own players. But, um, Alcaza, um, I think the build broke it. I don't even know. Um, apparently has an issue with his arm and was in pain uh, in the Wolfsburg game and then it got worse and now he's doubtful. 
apparently. Um, I don't think he's going to start anyway, so um, should be okay for 30 minutes, but again, we certainly don't well, know. What, what they're actually um, saying is that he needs to be fitted with a, sp a certain kind of cars to actually be available, so I don't think it's really a, okay. a problem of you know, him being healthy enough, it's just uh, probably the risk of reactivation or whatever uh, that would prohibit him from playing. But, I mean, there are a lot of uh, companies nowadays who make these kind of cars. There are a lot of sports, co full contact sports, where, you know, people need those kinds of things. So Just get the thing that Gronkowski yeah, is wearing, or was wearing now that basically, he's <laughs> Basically that, although I, I guess... Uh, It's probably a bit too heavy for a guy of uh, Paco's stature in terms of uh, Gronk being about two, two His arm is just sliding. His arm is just sliding on the grass. You can see his heat map like engraved. I mean, it, it's not going to slow him down too much because he's not particularly fast to begin with. But uh, so I mean, I, I would assume that they might get this done i mean in that in those terms it might help that he's going to play on saturday evening because <laughs> they might they might so if you so so last important question since you you uh, know more about refereeing than i do so if you have a limb arm and it just slides on the ground you use it like a hockey stick and score with it is that a deliberate handball or is it just a natural position because you're injured uh natural position of the arm is not a factor in handball decisions stefan so uh <laughs> I mean, to get back to some level of seriosity here, if that is even a word, um, I think it helps that it's a Saturday evening game because they should be able to test him uh, relatively extensively uh, beforehand. So it's not going to be, you know, blindsiding them if he's not going to be available, but obviously would be a huge loss just because... Uh, seeing as you've already mentioned the teams, both teams' frailties in defense, this might turn into a shootout and Dortmund definitely kind of need their best goal scorer there outside of Marco Reus. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think Konstantin and I discussed at length why it is better to bench Alcazar at first and then bring him on. So unless you have a different opinion on that, um, I, we can move to the next news. Apparently, Lucas Pischek and even Diallo are touch and go. Is that right? Could be. If Favre doesn't know, uh, neither do I or does anyone else. I mean, I think they they probably have a pretty good idea about those two guys. Um, I mean, it would be a bit of a risk, I guess, playing Pischek for the first time in, what is it, two months? Has he played in 2019 at all? I don't even remember. Um, so that would be difficult. Um, on the other hand, you know, playing Marius Wolf against Bayern screams disaster to me anyway. So it might be better to roll the dice with Piszczek. Yeah, why do you think it's going to be disastrous for Dortmund if they play Marius Wolf as a right back? Because he's not very good. Uh, All right, can you can you go a little bit more into detail why he's I mean, not good? I mean, on the ball, he's pretty much useless. Uh, I mean, they don't, they, they won't have too much possession in this game. I would assume they will, uh, be happy to play on the counter for a, a, or a bit more than they usually do. Uh, but you know, he just, his, his technique is problematic to say the least. And his deliveries are, uh, is problematic. You mean his, 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 his attempts to cross yeah, the ball? Yeah, he doesn't even play pullback passes, which, are relatively easy as long as you see them correctly. So, I mean, he doesn't have great instincts uh, in terms of 
being an attacking player, I think what he brings is effort uh, and a bit of pace, uh, especially now with Hakimi out. So, I mean, he has his uses. It's not like he's uh, he's utterly useless uh, for a team like Dortmund. But, you know, in, in this kind of game, I think it would be kind of hard-pressed to put a put an unlearned player at right back who's also not very experienced um, in this kind of game uh, just in terms of the magnitude as we talked about earlier and also the, the quality of opponent I mean uh, it's it's one thing to play at Nuremberg or at home against Wolfsburg but to play in the, the biggest game of his life to date on a position which he's not really accustomed to just yet against I don't know who's going to play for Bayern on the left might be Ribéry just for all time's sake uh, I mean that doesn't really instill too much confidence in me yeah no I, I agree I think Dortmund's fullback situation is dire and uh, since I've recorded the interview with Justin I can already say that uh, you know he also said that Bayern's biggest weapon is their wing play basically and basically the issue is that, you know, getting the ball to the wing effectively might be a problem for Bayern. But nevertheless, that does not negate the fact that Bayern creates so much danger and firepower over their wings. I mean, as I said before, Joshua Kimmich, the freaking fullback, has the most assists in the Bundesliga for Bayern with 10 assists. So um, that, that tells you everything you need to know about that certain uh, yeah scenario. So, yeah, um. I agree. I really wish Lukas Piszczek were fit and ready. Um, as you know, it sounded like he was going to use the international break to fully recover and then I guess play against Wolfsburg, but that obviously did not materialize. And now I guess four weeks down the line since the interview he gave to, I think, some Polish press or so where he said he's on, on track or whatever. Um, yeah, still not really certain what is uh, up with his situation and yeah, playing him right away i don't know might work um may not work and the the same question obviously again marcel schmelzer the left back um is the only natural left back that dortmund have available right now and the question to you last first and foremost if every of dortmund's options were healthy and fit um including hakimi and diallo who would you play at left back for this game uh everyone's healthy means pitchcheck is as well yeah yeah but would you play Pischek as, as no, left back? No, I would back? play Pischek on the right and Hakimi on the left and hope for the best with Hakimi against, I guess, Kingsley Coman uh, or Serge Gnabry. Um, I mean, you always have that issue with uh, Hakimi that he's too adventurous going forward and needs uh, someone very solid, you know, next to him, behind him. So maybe I would uh, play Hakimi there and tell Delaney and Zagadou to help him out whenever they can. So I guess that would work. But seeing as I don't think uh, Piszczek is necessarily a lock to be even available, let alone start, and Hakimi is obviously not available, uh, it's not an ideal situation because obviously I'm, I'm uh, regular listeners know how much I read Schmelzer typically, but I mean, A, he's really not played well in his two I think instances of playing in 2019 and B he's just been completely out of uh, Farfus good graces I mean I don't really understand why he was in the match desk for all the time because he never played even when left backs were uh, <laughs> well against Hertha he was there to get booked. yeah I mean that that was obviously <laughs> a very good move but you know other than that I don't know if he's fire on the aux court or whatever so maybe maybe he's the, the team DJ the Gerald Azamoa of, of 2019 I but 
I highly I mean, doubt he, it. he did rap with a German somewhat gangstery rapper a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We, we shall not quote this here, or the explicit tag is ours. I mean, it would be German, so I don't know how, how, those, how that works. <laughs> well, it's still explicit, though. Uh, so, I mean, Schmelzer, I don't think that's that's particularly likely. So, um, I think they are trying their best to get Diallo ready to play. I think uh, he's had uh, a few muscular injuries throughout the season, has kind of been able to play through it most of the time. I think if, if Diallo plays, he's going to play for 20 minutes and then we Schmelzer. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> then Schmelzer's going to come I guess, up. but I, I mean, if this is the biggest game of when of of you know the last seven or eight years or whatever it is i mean you kind of have to go into it with what you perceive to be your best 11 and then hope you make the right adjustments if you need to make adjustments so i'm going to guess it's diallo if not you know all bets are off i wouldn't be shocked to see zagadu there with uh, topa coming in at center back with perhaps weigel coming in at center back would i be completely surprised to see uh Guerrero at left back, no, but you know, uh, I, I really do think that they are trying their best to get Diallo healthy or healthy enough to play and, you know, play on the counter with uh, Guerrero in front of him uh, instead of Guerrero at left back. And then you are probably forced to play someone like Brun Larsen, who's been very much out of uh, sorts for months now uh, at, at, at the winger position. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think people just need to get their mindset into the shape that the likely scenario is it doesn't really matter who's going to be playing at left back. The person, you know, that <laughs> has to play there will be embarrassed one way or another. I mean, if we talk about Hakimi, um, now that he can play, but he has been so adventurous and so, yeah, so sometimes just negligent as, as left back that, you know, there are just spaces to exploit. I think uh, as much happened in the in the uh, reverse fixture. Diallo um, has yeah not looked good as a left back either. Very often failed to block crucial crosses or um, was just also caught napping during set pieces and all that. And uh, yeah, Guerrero. I think we have talked extensively about why he is not a good idea as a left back. Um, and of course, Pischek, um, yeah, he has, uh, <laughs> the 5-1 loss in Munich on his CV as a left back and, and Wolf, yeah, as, as Constantine suggested, I, I just don't think that's feasible either. So, um, yeah, there's just not a, just not a good scenario there. Um, I don't know. Um, let's just move on, Lars. Um, anything that gives you hope? And I think we have a couple of questions on that um, from that Heidenheim game. Um, I think which uh, I didn't see. Yeah, good. All right, then I'll take the question at BVB Atlanta uh, as or ATL. Uh, how does Bayern's match against Heidenheim affect your perspective of their Klassiker match, if at all? Um, short answer: I don't think it really has an effect. Um, but that being said, there were a couple of signs that. Um, Bayern players were a little bit fatigued at the end of this game because they certainly had to work harder than they wanted to. Lewandowski sat on the bench and Niko Kovac said today that he um, is nursing a slight flu. So um, even though he's probably going to be dropped to the point that it won't matter, um, 
it was certainly not in Bayern's plans, I guess, that he would play. So maybe it has a effect. It's nothing we could measure anyway. So there is obviously hope that maybe um, something happened in, in Bayern's psyche or whatever uh, that has a poor effect. But honestly, I don't really think that um, this game will have anything to do with Bayern on Saturday because we all know that Bayern, um, even when they're slacking for certain games, they always manage to switch on and be at 100%. So like the Liverpool return leg or... Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was Bayern at 100%, right? I, if it is, then then we are golden. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I, I thought it was. I mean, I just thought Liverpool were just so, so much better that Bayern just didn't have a chance. Yeah, but they didn't that, even try. I mean, the, the, their own player said we didn't even have a go at it, so... Yeah, well, that was a tactic. Doesn't mean the players went switched 100%. It was just they were too cautious in their approach, but that doesn't mean they were switched off. Just a different tactic. That's how I got it. I mean, may maybe you're right and they, they bombed, but who knows? <laughs> you tell me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know, but I mean, we are talking about the, the talk in the German media has been for, or from, from a lot of people, let's put it that way. And, and most of pundits in Germany have some sort of association with Bayern. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But, you know, the, the, the general consensus has been, you know, Bayern are always up for these big games and they have all this experience in, 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 in finals and big games and, and whatnot. But, you know, uh, this, this Liverpool fixture in, in general, I mean, they were so, so lucky in the first game. Uh, to come away with a goalless draw, basically, um, you know, the, if if that's Bayern in big games under Niko Kovac, which it may, very well might be, <laughs> I mean, that's something that Dortmund should be able to uh, come away from uh, with with like a draw. Well, well, maybe I'm I'm too much under the impression of the opening twenty thirty minutes of of the reverse fixture where Bayern really took it. Yeah, to but Dortmund where and, where Marco Reus should have put Dortmund ahead after like eight minutes or so when Hummels made that big mistake. So <laughs> I mean, that was probably the best performance of Bayern against a good team that I've seen this season. But I have to say I don't watch many Bayern games because it's like rewatching a movie you didn't like in the first place. Uh, for the most part anyway um but you know uh, any any movies you've rewatched that you didn't like Lars? uh 300 i didn't really like but i kind of watch it sometimes uh, i i'm not a big i've never watched the sequel uh, neither have i i'm a bit of uh, of a michael owen type i don't really watch movies all that much i mean if, if i watch 10 movies a year that's that's quite a lot so anyway um <laughs> if 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 that's the 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 kind of buy on in in big games we have to expect i think even though they they were pretty good at dortmund but they still made so many mistakes so uh, i think it, it all boils down to as we've kind of alluded to uh, a couple of times now uh, this this is unlikely to be a complete walloping of of dortmund uh, and dortmund are certainly not going to wallop bayern uh, at the Allianz Arena. You're saying Dortmund will not get the 6 <laughs> Stöger treatment they I mean, were handed the I, last I, I, time they visited. That, that would surprise me, but, you know, obviously with the kind of individual quality Bayern have, if, if they all have a great day, I mean, you can't completely rule that out. But I think we, we both are in agreement that that scenario is relatively unlikely. So it's, pro it's, yes. it's 
I think this is going to be because that would also mean that all Dortmund players have a bad day, and I don't think that's going yeah, to happen. Most likely. So I think this is more more likely going to be a game of smaller margins, just like the first uh, meeting between those two teams. I mean, let's not forget that. Uh, Lewandowski equalized and was uh, offside by like the length of my nose so uh, <laughs> and, and and be glad that I said nose and not something that would have uh, brought brought, Recap, brought yeah. up the explicit tag again um, <laughs> yeah I mean I've talked enough yeah alright alright so um, maybe Maybe to to uh, I don't know to give a pleasing answer to Mister at BVB ATL um, or Mrs. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Um, maybe what we can take away from the Heidenheim game is that Bayern's um, name it arrogance or whatever it was, the lack of tension in that game was quite significant. I don't remember Bayern being that bad. I mean, it was a second league, uh, second tier team, and they were outclassing Bayern for stretches of the first half. They were more awake, just ready for this game and, and actually, you know, made something out of the dominance that they had and Bayern was just so sloppy. Um, and yeah, I, I, I said maybe Bayern can just flick the switch, but maybe I'm wrong here and maybe uh, they can't and maybe Bayern are just um, the mess that Konstantin and I predicted to Basically, that after the international break and after that Liverpool loss, all tension drops, and that's what Bayern are then, that they just cannot reach the same level of, I don't know, ironclad focus, laser focus, whatever you want to call it, uh, for, for this game, even though it's so high profile, because once you have let yourself go like that, it's hard to pick yourself up. But then again, I'm not a psychologist in sports, so I'm not sure, and I'm just, you know, speculating like every other idiot here. Um, not meaning you last of but, course uh, not <laughs> more in general terms <clears throat> excuse me but nevertheless um yeah that could maybe instill some hope but we don't know we have to watch the game so um <laughs> but to invite more speculation jason neves asks which player will be the x factor for Dortmund besides roids of course where father pulls strings like he did when he inserted Dahoud in the first encounter. Also, do you believe Dortmund will play with a cautious approach and attempt to hit them on the counter? Lars. <coughs> uh, do I just take all five of those or can I ch cherry pick? Yeah, just, ju ju just, just uh, maybe with the X Factor. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, we are assuming, I guess, that Roman Burki has to have a, a very strong performance, which uh, he's shown so many of the season that I don't have any worries there. But, you know, in terms of an X factor, I guess we always talk about offensive or attacking players. So I would have to go with Jaden Sancho, which isn't really a bold, a bold <laughs> answer, but neither is Marco Reus, which is the one he took away from us. Uh, I mean... So if, if, we're, if we're talking about an X factor, I think of a of a player that might be able to decide the game with with one you know move or you know in in one instant. And there's besides Royce, there is no one else who does it as regularly as Jaden Sancho. So I guess uh, the the onus is on him. But you know, if if Alcacer can't go at all, then a lot of uh, a lot will depend on Götze, who's been in remarkable form for most of 2019. So 
it's not like it's a, a two-man show with Royce and Sancho. Lars, I really gotta say, I'm really excited about Mario Götze in this game. Um, I really hope it's going to be a good game for him because we've seen him play so well now for the last months and I really want to see this against Munich and him actually like doing cool stuff. I, I'm just really hoping to see him at his best and, and you know, eking out a performance that really, you know, shines a nice little light on him because I think he deserves it. Anyway, but if we talk about X-Factors, I still, uh, I think I would vote for Rafael Guerrero in this game. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that he will do something special because we all know that he certainly has the capability of sometimes just hitting an audacious strike from distance or something that you know nobody really um sees yeah, like it, like in that one five loss at Bayern or was it a one six or one seven I don't remember <laughs> yeah for one or so I don't know but yeah for ex for example I just um have a, have a feeling that there is going to be uh, some money to be placed on on him anyway um what was the other question oh will Fabre pull strings like he did uh, when he inserted the hood in the first encounter hopefully no I mean, Dahoud was awful in that game. Oh, oh no, Dahoud wasn't awful in the game. Weigel was awful in that game. That was the... the yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah, just no, like, the, 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 how hard do I have to disagree right <laughs> now? No, the, I, I was, uh, the, the wording of the question threw me off because you would assume uh, we talk about <laughs> the starting 11 and obviously it was Weigel in the starting 11, which was the huge surprise back then because he hadn't played much. All right, pull in-game strings, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to save my skin here because obviously Dahoud <laughs> made made a huge impact in that game and he wasn't awful, but Weigel was right, the first no, no skin saving, buy a, buy a can of Nivea or whatever, just uh, continue. No, I mean, uh, in terms of in-game adjustments, uh, that's impossible to say beforehand. I mean, for for all we know, <laughs> they are going to trounce Bayern 3-0 at halftime and the only in-game adjustment is, you know, taking someone off to take a victory lap, so. <laughs> all right, Lars, then, then I'll, I'll uh, ask you this. Which um, is the uh, substitution that would take uh, would most take the piss out of Bayern if if uh, Dortmund were like 3-0 up after 70 minutes I mean uh, uh, they could pull a Felix Magath and switch goalkeepers <laughs> uh, but I don't think that's likely so uh, <laughs> there was one of the most audacious substitutions ever yeah that was quite funny um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah and Rafic <laughs> just turned 40 and he scored that great goal in that game so Probably that's why that was on my mind. Uh, yeah, but this is the energy we need to channel here, the Bayern embarrassment en energy, really. Yeah. But, you know... Uh, Although don't, I, don't channel it too hard, because otherwise you create the next monster that I've already uh, drawn. Yeah, that, that, that has already been created. I don't think they need Dortmund to win this game. Fair uh, but, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> other than that, I don't really see anyone on the bench who's really able of taking the piss, like... Uh, That they are all there for a reason, I guess. <laughs> Just bring on Balerdi. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to make the bench. Probably not. Anyway, so um, uh, also, do you believe Dortmund will play with a cautious approach and attempt to hit them on the counter? Um, to be honest, we've discussed this question at length on the uh, last episode with Constantine, so I don't think we need to gloss over also, that. Also, the so, answer is a very simple yes. So, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Don't spoil it. Lars. I didn't hear mm -hmm. listen to that episode, but uh, I mean, we can answer this question quite simply. 
All right, fair enough. Um, all right, Lars, should we give it up to Justin and then come back with another random questions, or do you have more things to say on the big game that uh, you want to share? Okay, then uh, with no further ado, here is the interview with uh, Justin Kraft and myself. Thank you. As promised, the interview, uh, opposition research, now with a good friend of mine, Justin Kraft. He is a columnist for mirsanroth.de and he's a book author and all-around Bayern Munich expert. Hello, Justin. How are you doing? I'm glad to be here. Hello. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, be before we jump in... Um, Who do you think before the game uh, is the favorite to win the title? That's a tough question. Um, yeah, in the first half of the season, I would have said Borussia Dortmund because they really played great football. Um, they were very successful and Bayern struggled. And now the things changed a little bit. Dortmund had problems in in the first uh, games of of the second half of the season and Bayern won a lot of games in the second half of the season and yeah now I would say Bayern is the favorite because of their experience and because of the individual quality in their squad. Yeah I think that's fair enough um, 538 um, the website I think never had Dortmund as the favorites but uh, since the last weekend uh, Dortmund's chances and probability to win obviously rose a little bit uh, I don't know if it was uh, that significantly though um in the um last podcast we talked a little bit about you know the the good old German word Druck <laughs> about the pressure uh Konstantin and I tried to talk a little bit about whether the you know Dortmund's two-point advantage changes the dynamic of the game. But um, if we look at the bigger picture of um, the entire, um, you know, seasons, the last decade or so, do you think the, the pressure overall is maybe a little bit more on Dortmund because their chance to win the championship is a unique one while Bayern Munich can win it the next year and the next five years after... A heavy reinvestment yeah um, I think the pressure is more on the Bayern side because um, yeah they have to win the title even if Kovac said um, yeah that's it's it's not a problem to be without the title um, I think Bayern really wants to win that and um, for Dortmund it's really it's a really great season um, if they are on the second place at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a chance for them. Maybe the one chance in the next 10 years to, to beat Bayern in the title race. And Dortmund uh, also has a little bit pressure on that. All right. So um, please walk me a little bit through the uh, problems that Bayern have, you know, if, if you want to call it that. But yesterday, for example, Bayern Munich played 5-4 against second-tier side Heidenheim in the Cup. Great win. Um, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was highly entertaining. And 
I don't think this uh, game will say much about the uh, next game on, on Saturday just because uh, I think Bayern will be 100% switched on and not be completely switched off like they were on Wednesday. Um, however, we have seen it many times now this season that Bayern Munich are very susceptible to counterattacks. Um, why is that? And do you think that against Dortmund that can change in the sense of maybe a better pressing or counter pressing what are your thoughts on on that and uh, where if if Bayern are susceptible to anything how and where would that be in my opinion um it's really it's really hard to say why but uh, Bayern has really problems with counter attacks um that's nothing new but in this season um it's even harder for them because uh, the structure of their game is is not uh, in shape and um, a big problem is that they can't play through the middle. Yeah, the distances um, for passes are yeah, too large and um, they really have problems to find their midfielders. And then they play over the wings and it's easy to defend for the oppo opponents. Um, <laughs> Unless you're Dortmund, <laughs> Dortmund struggles severely if they need to defend the wings, especially because they don't have any fullbacks currently available, it seems. So um, this should hand Bayern a, a sweet advantage for this game, I think, especially for the uh, Bayern's right side with, uh, I assume, Kimmich and uh, Gnabry. Yep. So th this is where I assume Bayern will be successful. Yeah, sure, but um, it's not that easy if you are too early on the wings. Um, even Dortmund can can defend that very easy. Uh, you have to play first through the middle to make spaces for Nabri and Coman, um, and then you can, uh, yeah, you can use their strengths. Um, if you play in the first uh, third on the wings, yeah, it's very easy for Dortmund um, to to get there and to win uh, the tacklings. Yeah, yeah, obviously that will help them to double Kimmich or, or Gnabry. I, I really do wonder what Favre has uh, um, planned for, for this scenario because I assume it will happen quite often, especially um, also I I assume that Bayern will try again with a lot of diagonal balls from the left side, you know, the left fullback to to the right winger or so, or, or Boateng with, with a nice... Uh, Diagonal pass or Alaba, uh, we've we've seen it time and time again, and very often works out quite well. Um, but it's also a problem for Bayern because um, that long balls are not as success uh, not as successful as in the last years. Um, I think there is something wrong with the spacing of the of the attackers. Um, yeah, but but they play many long balls and at high risk, and that also. Um, Yeah, leads into counter-attacking if you lose the ball. And yeah, Bayern doesn't come into the gegenpressing because of their positioning. Yeah, that's that's a big problem, especially against Dortmund. I, I think that's actually Bayern's biggest problem, that um, they are very often not where they're supposed to be to have an effective counter-pressing. Um, I don't, I don't know why. I can't really put my finger down on what the real issue is, but, um, too often players, um, 
win the ball and then have two, three, four seconds to to play a pass and uh, there's nobody attacking the the player on the ball or uh, if there is, then others are easily open to to string a counterattack and. In in years when Bayern were super dominant under Pep Guardiola and and Jupankis uh, and so on, um, usually it was only Borussia Mönchengladbach that managed to play around Bayern Munich's first wave of of pressing um, effectively and in, in often in, in games. That was usually the the only reason why they often managed to steal a point or even uh, got a win. And now we we see more opponents do that same thing. So I assume that Dortmund will will uh, manage to do it equally well, if not better, um, considering that Dortmund have excelled whenever they get space to transition. But um, yeah, this this is maybe one of the biggest weak points. And of course, um, your center backs are not exactly getting any younger. Um, I think Niko Kovac has preferred the uh, pairing of Zul and Hummels. Um, Boateng has often been on the bench. Who in your mind is, is the best centre-back pairing for Saturday's game? I agree with Kovac there. Um, I think that that um, Zule and Hummels are the best central backs in the, squ uh, in the squad. Um, yeah, Boateng is having a tough year. Uh, he makes easy individual mistakes. Um, but I also think it's not all about him. I told you that the structure of the game isn't that good. And Boateng maybe needs that. He needs uh, the players to be in the right positions to play his great passes. And yeah, that's a big problem for him. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think it's one of his biggest strengths that, you know, what do you call it? The laser pass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it breaks so many lines um, that it, it, it's really hard for opponents to, to completely shut Bayern down, especially if you have Boateng and Hummels. But I think Zule has also um, managed to, to up his game when it comes to the, the build-up. Um, and um, since Zule was red-carded on Wednesday, he will be arrested at least. <laughs> um so, are there any injuries for, for Bayern Munich? Um, we've already counted uh, Dortmund's countless injuries, but who is out for Bayern? Uh, Tolisso, Robben, um, they are injured for, for a long time now. Um, but I think all in all, the squad is fit. Um, there are no excuses for Bayern, like maybe in the first, uh, in the first game against Dortmund, but, this time everybody should be fit to play them yeah i would agree um in in recent times i think in recent games maybe not freiburg even though um he played well there but Robin Lewandowski, i think has been the lifeline of bayern munich um and yet there is a lot of criticism Especially in the German media, if I think to you know people like I think Didi Hamann and Lothar Matthäus, I don't follow it that closely, <laughs> so please please correct me. But um, it is true that uh, Lewandowski is underperforming in terms of expected goals this season. I think he is at like eight goals or so underneath his his expected goals value um, in the Bundesliga. Um, but is he really having a bad season? The thing about uh, Robert Lewandowski is. In 38 games, he scored 33 goals this season. So 
<laughs> it's hard to say that he is really bad. And also there are 13 assists. So in 38 games, he was directly involved in uh, 46 goals. So that speaks for itself. But he could have scored more. That's right. Um, um, but he's also very important in, in the link-up play for Bayern. I think without him, Bayern would struggle even more. Um, I said before... As we saw against Heidenheim, it, for example. Yeah, I said it before. Um, Bayern is struggling with, uh, with his own structure. They have big problems in the midfield to find the right positions. And Lewandowski is really, really great at link-up play. And um, yeah, without him, Bayern even wouldn't be... Um, yeah. On the second place, I think it would be very hard yeah, I for them. Agree. I I agree. I think uh, Bayern currently stands and falls a little bit with Lewandowski, um, and yeah, he 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 really likes to score against Dortmund, so I certainly expect <laughs> that to happen. Uh, if he's if he's fully fit, uh, I think Kovac said today at the press conference that he's nursing a slight cold, but uh, I don't think that's going to be a big issue for him. So um, yeah. Just wanted to wanted your opinion because I've heard so many shit opinions that I wanted to have <laughs> one good one too. <laughs> yeah, I think it's not uh, totally wrong to criticize him for for missing some big chances, but you have to see um, you have to see it all. And in link up play, he really is very important. And also, thirty three goals aren't that bad, um, as I said. Yeah, and and he's one of the most important players. Um, the same thing about Thiago, who is getting many critics too, but um, he's also very important for Bayern. And yeah, I don't I don't know why why some people only see black and white, but um, yeah, they are especially with the missing structure in the game. They are very important for Bayern. After the Liverpool game, I think there was a lot of criticism by the players, for example, Lewandowski, um, criticizing Niko Kovac for a too defensive-minded style. Um, do you think that because of this criticism in this high-profile game on Saturday, we will see a counter-reaction by, by uh, Kovac where Bayern will be more attacking? Or do you think that Bayern, once again, will be very cautious in their approach in against Dortmund? Yeah, Kovac has to change his approach, I think. Um, against Liverpool, he weakened his own team too much. Uh, Bayern needs to attack. Bayern needs to play with the ball. Um, not every time, for sure. There are times where Bayern can um, yeah, go back into the defense. But all in all, Bayern is an attacking team. And the players want to attack. And that missed completely against against Liverpool and the result uh, yeah was very very clear um that was uh, yeah really significant how uh, low their their production up front was against Liverpool even though they had a couple of good half chances but nothing really that would uh, threaten the the Reds too too much there um so if we look a little bit at the midfield battle between I, I guess Thiago James Goretzka or Martinez and and uh, Witzel, Delaney and and Götze. Um, how how do you think or who do you think will, will uh, come out of this and how or what combination do you think Kovac will prefer for this game? Uh, it's it's very hard to say um, because 
it's all about his approach. If he wants to play a little bit more defensive, like against Liverpool, then Martinez will probably play. But I think especially against Dortmund, it will be very important um, to be safe with the ball. And then you need uh, Thiago for sure. You need James. Um, but maybe you also need uh, Thomas Müller, who is able to make the ways into the deep. Um, yeah, and, and he he could be very important too. But also Goretzka, who is a great box-to-box -box player, um, could be... Um, Yeah, the the connection for Thiago to the offensive players. As I said, there there is a big problem with the structure. Two midfielders are very high on the pitch, and Thiago is very deep. And this distance make it makes it hard to combine into the last third. And Kovac has to change something there. He needs to find the balance for the team. And if he finds that, he has good chances to beat Dortmund. Yeah, I would agree, but uh, I think overall Bayern always have good chances to beat Dortmund <laughs> because <laughs> they just have the quality um, to to do that. And uh, yeah, but Dortmund maybe has uh, the better match plan, so I, I that might be. I mean, I asked Konstantin yesterday who do who he thinks will have the better, you know, also in-game coaching. Yeah. Do you agree with Konstantin that uh, the changes within the game that will be made are probably going in Favre's Favre's favor? Yeah, absolutely. In the first game against Dortmund, um, we saw that. Favre changed um, little details in the second half and Dortmund were able to to beat Bayern. Also very clear, I think, um, even if the result were 3-2, I think it was much clearer than the result says. And uh, yeah, Favre is better in making that changes in detail and Kovac, yeah, lacks a little bit uh, flexibility. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. Um, if you look at the Dortmund team right now, um, who do you fear the most? Yeah, the obvious answer would be Marco Reus for sure. He is the best player for Dortmund and he's very dangerous uh, for Bayern. But there are also Alcacer and um, Sancho who is playing a great season for his age uh, Bayern has to has to defend them properly and that will decide if they can um, if they can beat Dortmund at the end um, but also on the other side Dortmund has to defend Coman Lewandowski and Nabri so maybe that are the details um, that will decide the game in the end Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's uh, a lot of attacking individual skill on both ends, which should make this a highly entertaining game. Yeah. Um, I think this is the only safe prediction for uh, the tie is that <laughs> it's going to be entertaining no matter what. So obviously Bayern have determined this season as a transition season. Uh, as I've noted, you can transition into something good or something bad. So um, how do you view the uh, prospect of going into the second season with Niko Kovac and basically giving him the reins to form a new squad which will I think introduce a lot of new expensive talent yeah on on the on the one hand you have to say that um, Kovac uh, really having a tough time with the squad this season but on the other hand as I said I miss the tactical development and I really don't know if Kovac is, um, is strong enough for Bayern and if he has the quality 
to to coach this squad. Um, Bayern struggled too much this season, I think. Um, even if you call it a transition, um, there are no excuses for uh, losing against Düsseldorf or playing. Um, well, you drew against Düsseldorf. Yeah, didn't lose. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was uh, my feel my my, like my feeling yeah. were like a loss. Yeah, same with Freiburg <laughs> and Augsburg. So I think there there are no excuses for him. Um, and also, if you say this is a transition season, then you have to act like this. And I didn't see Lucas May this season. I didn't see Circe, uh, for example. Um, Jong played, I think, five minutes or so. And yeah, this, this is not enough. Um, um, especially the long, the young players and even Renato Sanchez aren't playing that much. And if you call it a transition season, then you should use it as such a season. And Bayern doesn't do that. So I don't think that this is an excuse. All right. Fair, fair enough. Um, I'm. Intrigued to see how Bayern uh, go from from this season to the next. But uh, before we can discuss that, I think uh, Saturday's game will have a big impact on how Bayern will, uh, you know, make their decisions going forward. I think if Dortmund have a deciding win, for example, um, I think that will loosen the purse strings even more so. Um, so thanks for for coming on. Justin, um, I want to solicit a prediction out of you. So if you want to predict this game, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, it's very tough. Um, yeah, Dortmund is able to, to use, um, the problems Bayern have. I think they will score one to two goals, maybe three. I hope not, but uh, Dortmund is very good, uh, in attacking and also in counter attacking. And uh, Bayern has problems with that, but also Dortmund um, has some problems in defending. So probably we will see much goals, uh, many goals, like like in the first game. But this time Bayern will win three two. I have to say that I don't know if I believe in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fair enough. Just uh, go ahead and jinx yourself. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, please tell our listeners how to follow you on Twitter. Uh, at Lamsteiger D. D-E. Very well. <laughs> yeah, D-E. <laughs> I think people got that. <laughs> All right. Thanks uh, again for, for coming on. You can uh, also read f things from Justin on mirsanroth.com. I think uh, you have translators. Yeah, not for all of my articles, but uh, for the most. For some, yeah. Yeah. What a nice luxury to have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and if if you uh, feel inclined to buy his book, it's Generation Lahmsteiger. Um, that would be very much appreciated by Justin. Um, I don't know if we're talking to the target audience here, but uh, I didn't want to have it un unmentioned. <laughs> so Dortmund were mentioned a lot of times in that book, I think. Um, my favorite mention is Wembley 2013. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> Justin, it was nice having you on up until that moment. Um, I uh, <laughs> hope you have fun on Saturday, but not too much fun. Um, and yeah, enjoy the game. Thanks again. And back to me and Lars. Ciao.
All right, here we are again, Lars and I, and we have a couple of questions left that have uh, little to do with the Bayern game, um, but were posed anyway. Um, Jason at Waragiri asks, do you think Isak's strong showing in the Eredivisie could translate to an impactful showing in Dortmund? Lars, what do you think? I think I wrote an 800-word article on this yesterday, but it was in German, so I will <laughs> give you the... The, the short version. Yeah, I also didn't read it. So yeah, why would please, you? I mean, it's me only in. my my bread and butter. Uh, well, I I mean... Yeah, whatever. You didn't listen to the last episode, so why would I read your shit? I don't understand. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical of uh, Isaac's great success at uh, Willem II. Uh, in the Eredivisie. <laughs> Said with such disgust. Um, it's, it's, I mean, you don't bother, you know, scout the league more, more than scout the player, but obviously the, the Dutch league, there's a lot of, let's say, cautionary tales with players who do very well there and nowhere else. Uh, I think I mentioned Vincent Janssen in this. Uh, Lucien Favre uh, had Luc de Jong who's a really good player in the Dutch league, but couldn't cut it at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of positive examples as well. You know, uh, we don't even have to mention, you know, the, the Ronaldos and Luis Suarez's and, and, and the likes. I mean, someone like Wout Weghorst for Wolfsburg, he might not be the most graceful player, but, you know, he's had a, but he's he's, doing well, he's had a, a massive impact at that team uh, and, and was kind of a bargain signing if you're talking about signing a, a, a starting striker in this climate. So um, given all that, I think the, the smartest move for Isaac would be to spend another year on loan at either a better club in the Dutch league or preferably, I guess, uh, in a more competitive league or or let's say a league where Defending is not uh, a, a term most managers are unaware of. So uh, my dream scenario, if you like, for for Isaac would be Hamburg not getting promoted to the Bundesliga and him going on loan to Hamburg with Hannes Wolf, the coach. I mean, that would be, uh, I think, quite advantageous for all parties involved. But, you know, I mean, he's he's scoring at a rate where you he kind of has earned at least to spend, you know, training camp with the first team at Dortmund. And let's let's uh, let let Lucien Favre make the decision then, basically. Well, I agree with you, but I actually can see that work with Hamburg being in the first division as well, to be honest. I, I don't know how you see it. Um, I obviously have not observed Isaac uh, you know closely in the Eredivisie so I don't really know but um yeah I think there needs to be another uh, year on loan at least but I mean at least he is taking a very positive development uh, as positive as you can rate it when it's <clears throat> the kvit of of the Eredivisie but um yeah I'm certainly still excited and and hopeful that it could work out because Alex Isaac has shown that there's genius within him, that there's a talent that, you know, a raw diamond, if you craft it well enough, that you get a really good striker. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a long-term project and he's still very young. Um, next question comes from Hummel Zinu and he wants to ask, who would you guys prefer as a realistic Gunuan type the club is looking for if the real Ilkay Gunuan is not possible? <laughs> 
Um, I feel like the real Gunwan is not possible. So, um, any, any shouts? Uh, this is the kind of question that you may want to ask me beforehand so I can have a think. Um, I mean, the, the, the problem is I, 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 I was kind of chuckling when that report first came up that Dortmund were looking for a Thiago Alcantara type of midfielder. Oh, great. I mean, those grow on trees, obviously. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's why Bayern have one of them and he's injured most of the time and they are, they haven't replaced him or found another one of those. I mean, it, this is the, the kind of midfielder every good team in the, in the world needs. And, you know, if, if Dortmund had all the money in the world, they would just sign someone like Rodri from Atletico, who's available for 70 million with the release clause. He's not necessarily Gundogan type, but, you know, a, a combination player in, in central midfield who can do a little bit of everything. Uh, but you know, that's out of question for a couple of Dortmund's, uh, financial might. So I really don't have a name right now, uh, readily available. Um, I, I do kind of think that Favre has found his best midfield mojo with, you know, uh, Witzel and Reus plus Götze. So I don't know if necessarily they think they absolutely have to find someone in the Gundogan mall to make the system work. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, most of that weight could be carried by someone like Mario Götze. And I also don't know what the situation is with Julian Weigel and how he will be, f how he will fit in the plans of Dortmund going forward. And if they want to have more like a double eight situation with, uh, with Götze and Royce and, um, then just one holding midfielder will that be Witzel what's the plan for Delaney if is is there a long-term plan for him um because if you get a quote-unquote Gunnuan type player um he will need to play um I mean uh, Mahmoud Dahoud is a pretty good player in uh you know his own realm and and the capabilities he has but one you know reason his development wasn't as great as it could have been I assume is just that he also did not get him a lot of playing time so um that means you need to first have a strategy of what kind of player type you want to have and if Dortmund say all right we want to um go back to the times where we had a clear number eight um then uh yeah you either sell Dahoud and Delaney or and and get someone of that caliber or or you don't so um I'm intrigued to find out what exactly it is um, that Dortmund will come up with. But uh, for now, I must be honest, I don't really have an answer to that question either. Um, I mean, Lars, in general, how much do you think Dortmund will do next summer? Because um, I remember Dortmund officials talking at great length about how they're going to have a transition that will take at least two summers. Yeah, I think what they meant for the most part was actually thinning out the squad of those players that they don't they don't see as long term components. So getting rid of this pesky Schürrle, you say someone like Schürrle, but also Rode, Toyan, Isaac before he had his uh, loan to uh, Willem Trey work so well. Uh, I think they were more thinking of that instead of you know we we are going to add so and so many players. I think. Actually, if you look at the squad right now, uh, 
I don't see too many holes where, you know, a lot of investment needs to be made. Obviously, the fullback positions are a giant question mark. With the age of Pischek, uh, Hakimi only being on loan, Schmelzer being phased out. So I wouldn't be surprised if they actually signed two relatively high-priced fullbacks or wingbacks. Um, the, the Nico Schulz rumors to me make more sense if they were thinking of him as a wingback than a traditional fullback. Um, obviously, yeah, that would have been my next question because I think I Ibrahim has, uh, yeah, thoughts on, on reports linking Dortmund to Nico Schulz and Philipp Lewis. So, what do you make of that? I mean, Philipp Lewis is uh, going to be 34 in August, I think, might be September. Um, and on wages that I don't think Dortmund are willing to offer him for more than one season, and uh, he's reportedly looking for a two year contract, so that. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, as for Schultz, um, he's, he's really been quite surprisingly good at Hoffenheim, but you kind of worry about that being the Nagelsmann effect, which we've seen it on. I, I think it is. Yeah, it I might think be, it is, but to be honest, but yeah, I mean, it, it might be, but, uh, he has a lot of athletic tools at any rate. I mean, as a wingback. We've talked about Wolf earlier. I think he's a much better version, but somewhat similar in, in some of his characteristics. Well, I think it's very evident. You don't need to look really hard at Hoffenheim to see that Nagelsmann has has created a scheme with a, a certain diagonal ball that sends Nico Schulz into his space where he can inflict maximum damage. And um, this has worked for I don't know how long, but it, it just has and... Uh, Many opponents just hasn't, haven't figured out how to stop it because um, if, if you stop that, you give up other spaces that in, in the middle that you don't want to give up. So um, Nico Schulz has become a weapon at Hoffenheim and, and beforehand, you know, he, he joined Hoffenheim because he was not good enough for who? Who was it? Hertha Berlin, maybe? No, he so? was. He, he's uh, a product of Hertha's youth system, but he was at uh, Gladbach, but obviously he had a torn ACL there and they thought of him as a winger and for most part uh, so I think he kind of gets a pass from me on that and just, All right, fair just enough, really, but really I, I just don't think he's 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 like a prolific left back I, I I mean he's he's good don't get me wrong but I I think or I hope that Dortmund could do better than Nico Schultz that's that's my opinion but maybe I'm wrong maybe they can't and maybe he's the best they can get right I now. mean he's but he's Also, they need depth. He's, so he's 26. Too. He's a Germany international. He's been very good for Hoffenheim. Uh, and, you know, they, they will have a better idea than we do whether this is the Nagelsmann sure. factor or not. So I wouldn't discount him, you know, just on the basis of him not really clicking when he was a, a younger player. But really quickly, just because we talked about Hoffenheim so much, I figured out that Kerem Demirbay is the guy I would sign to be Dortmund's Gundogan sort of belated replacement, if you like. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. I mean, he has a Dortmund yeah, pass and too. he's really good, so that helps. <laughs> uh, but right. as for as for uh, we we didn't really finish the what are they going to do in the summer part. Uh, so I guess two fullbacks or at least one highly rated fullback. And, you know, of the names that have been mentioned so far, I mean, Schultz is much, much better than uh, Ricardo Rodriguez of AC Milan and uh, Philipp Max of Augsburg. So if if those three are the options, I'm definitely, definitely taking Schultz. 
Uh, I think a midfielder might be on the cards. We know that they were hot after Maximilian Eggestein of Bremen, who, you know, would have made Thomas Delaney kind of redundant in my opinion, but obviously they might see it differently. So they, they might still be on the lookout for a central midfielder. We would assume that they are going to replace uh, Pulisic, even though I kind of hope it's not going to be 42 million as has been talked about for months, basically for Togo uh, Azar of Gladbach, just because, you know, he isn't all that, uh, he, he ran hot in his finishing for quite a while, but he's come down to earth quite hard. So yeah, he's no longer the flavor of the month. Yeah. So and I, 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 I agree. He's also not a traditional winger anyway. So if, if you sign him, he, I would assume, or in my opinion... Yeah, he's a little bit like Guerrero in that aspect. I yeah, think. but Guerrero uh, obviously has the, the left-back background. I think, uh, honestly, for for Azar, the, the best position in, in the Favre system uh, would be the position Royce plays, because I think they are somewhat similar in, in, in their movement and their, their profile. So I think Azar would be a secondary striker at Dortmund. So he's a good player, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, investing 40 odd million in him would be asinine, in my opinion. And uh, finally, uh, we can assume somewhat safely that they are going to sign someone to be the second striker, uh, an Alcacer backup slash sports starter, because obviously Alcacer uh seems to be uh not reliable uh enough to start for let's say 25 games in a normal season yeah i i agree i mean this is going to come one way or another i i hope i don't know we never know uh michael sock in signing strikers apparently uh in in recent years wasn't uh most prolific, uh, you know, the acquisition of Alcacer was a dumb luck, to be honest, that uh, so late in the transfer season, something, an opportunity like that even opened up. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too confident that Dortmund do something with that. Maybe they, they ask again if Giroud has <laughs> time. Who knows? He hasn't been uh, too happy at, at Chelsea, I think. And he's out of contract. Prolific. And that. So, um, why not? Who knows? Uh, at least he speaks French, so that seems to be one uh, <laughs> one qualification you need to uh, play on Lucien Favre. Um, but no, more honestly, honestly, I I really don't know. But um, considering um, that Dortmund's future will also be shaped by Saturday's game to some extent, uh, let's not ponder on that too long and just knock it on the head now. Um, so. Once again, Lars, thank you for coming on and chatting a little bit more about this game. Uh, I hope listeners have enjoyed all the extensive coverage that we have offered. Also, thanks again to Justin and Constantine for coming on and, of course, Archie to uh, talk me through the uh, Facebook match. Um, Lars, one last thing maybe. Um, we never talked about the Hertha game now that I think about it. Um, is there anything from that game that you want to briefly address? Other than that, it was a great win. <laughs> uh, you are asking me about a game from before the international break. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> I remember the the end result. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> one thing, uh, that was a great assist from Jaden Sancho for Marco Reus. Yes, I agree. And, and, and uh, Vedat Ibizic, what an idiot. So, that, those are <laughs> yes. my two points. Yeah, yeah. To add to your second point, uh, I'm still glad that he's still suspended for that uh, idiocy <laughs> because that was hilarious. 
and uh, he certainly deserves to be banned. Also, Karma has struck again because Ibizovic has gotten away with way too much shit during his playing career, so I'm not at all uh, sad to see him sidelined for three games in total. So anyway, that's that's all from us for this week. We will be back next week, either Monday or Tuesday, with the um, podcast about the Bayern game. Uh, if, if if Dortmund win or draw, that is, if they lose six nothing, we won't even bother. So um, just just so you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, last, please tell our listeners how to get in touch with you on the Twitter. Uh, they can follow me at Lars Polman. Very well. Thank you again for coming on. And uh, you can follow me at Stefan Botsko. You can follow all of us on Facebook and Twitter at Yellow Wallpot. And if you want to subscribe to our show in all the various ways, please go to iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud. And obviously to help us out, gain reach, uh, go to iTunes, leave us a nice rating of five stars or subscribe there because that helps us and the algorithms to uh, spread the word or share it with your friends. That also helps. And if you want to contribute financially, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall where you can ship in with a buck or two and then get a shout out as soon as Matthias is back because uh, right now I can't log in and only he can. So, um, but yeah, Matthias, who is on the road currently and hopefully listening, Matthias, um, will be back next week as well to, um, yeah discuss whatever happened on saturday so everyone out there i hope you have a great weekend and really enjoy what's in front of you and yeah, that's all for now until next week goodbye